Kia ora New Zealand, welcome to Sweet Chain Live. My name is Matt Drake. Uh, this is episode 82. 82. Um, I'm joined this evening, as ever, um, by my good friend and chairman of Enter DG, Brady Kush. Good evening, Brady. How are you? Good, Matt. Man, heaps of disc golf being played this weekend. How, did you watch any of Des Moines? Uh, I watched a little bit. Yeah, I've watched a little bit. Uh, some pretty exciting stuff going down. Um, and just a week away from Worlds, well, less than a week away now from Worlds. So, uh, yes, indeed. Um, exciting stuff. We actually, we've got a little bit of a, a, a summary about one of the things that happened um, at Des Moines a little bit later on. Um, and we're going to be doing something that you love and is very dear to your heart. We're going to be clarifying a rule from the PDGA, so uh, <laughs> listen out for that. Anyway, uh, we've also got um, a, a great show. Uh, we've got Hot Scores coming up first up, and then we're going to be talking to Ryan Cambridge uh, from down in Wanaka. Um, he's going to talk to us all about um, uh, Wanaka Disc Golf, the confluence last weekend, and his um, disc golf career so far. Should be a lot of fun. Um, he sticks around for Desert Island Disc Golf. We've also um, got predictions for both the Cold Snap Open and... Uh, worlds coming up um, and a few other bits and pieces. So um, without further ado, we'll get into hot scores and it's down in Invercargill that Russell King puts in the hot score for the week uh, with a minus 13. Well done to Russell. Up to Deneen, Barry, uh, Barry Van Beek uh, hits five under par at Chingford. Uh, Brockville, it's Tom McKay who does the business with seven under par. At the Gardens, Pete McKay hits uh, five under par. And uh, over at Tucker Beach, new name for us, James Thompson hits plus two. So well done to James. Uh, over at Lismore, Ben Quinn hits eight under, and it's six under from John Menzies at Ely Point, which is enough for the hot round there. Uh, Willie Trattner, um, familiar face and name, takes out Jelly Park with a nine under par, and it's uh, Richard Morris with two under par and two discs with four under par, which take out Brooker Ave and Queen's Park Reserve, respectively. Uh, finally, up at Taylor River, Neil Williams uh, hits, the high, hits the best score of the week with an even par up in uh, Blenheim. Um, Brady takes through the north. Through the north, as ever, starting here in Wellington in the hills. Uh, Baron Poor, the general, getting it done. Young Ha comes in with a six under par for the hot round this week. Out at Hakoi Koi at the foreshore, Shannon Garten comes in with a minus three for the hot round. Uh, and then up at Harcourt Park, which is very waterlogged at the moment, Roy Grigger and Shannon Garten come in at even for the hot round this week. Um, up to the mighty Manawa 2, Link Letter Reserve, Arthur Graham stands alone. Six under par takes the hot round this week. Uh, and at Topor, Lakeside, Spa Park, Rate OK comes in at even um, on the red course. Uh, over in Taranaki, Maryland, Samuel Hardall getting it done. Four under par is the hot round. Um, and up in Tauranga, McLaren's Falls, Paris Halstead comes in this week with a minus three. Uh, in the big smoke up in Auckland, Henderson on the full 20, Kale Perry comes in at five under par. And at Woodhill Red, Henry Pearson and Jeremy Mitchell also come in at five under par for the hot round this week. Excellent. Excellent. Some good disc golf being played up and down the country despite uh, the weather. Um, no disc golf for me um, recently. Um, some people know that uh, we're, we're currently in the process of uh, moving our studio to a uh, to, to a new facility. Um, and in fact, the whole sweet chain operation is um, upping sticks and uh, and, and moving. Um, and so, um, yes. So from not next week, but the week after, we'll be in a new 
facility uh, and a new studio. And uh, yeah, so uh, that's going to be exciting. You'll see the return of an old favorite. Uh, I'll leave you to guess what that is. And uh, and and so, yeah, so look out for that um, in a couple of weeks. Um, so uh, first up, we had uh, the cold snap, not the cold snap, that's next weekend. We had blood sacrifice Whoa. at the confluence, um, which happened uh, last Maybe week. Maybe we'll have to sacrifice you next time and you'll get the tournaments right. Uh, perhaps, perhaps I will. Uh, perhaps I will have to. Um, just having a look at the results um, that we had from the weekend um, in uh, tied third place, uh, tied second place, sorry, is uh, Hemitir Fitu and Ryan Cambridge, um, who we've got uh, waiting in the wings right now. And Jane Walkinson takes out the, uh, the, the, um, the tournament with a five shot lead over Hemi. And Ryan in the ladies' division, uh, Haley Flintoff um, takes out the FPO division um, with a uh, yeah sixteen shot lead for Haley. Um, so, without further ado, let's bring in our guest for this evening. Um, so, let's say good evening to uh, Ryan Cambridge. Good evening, Ryan. Hey, hey, hey Brady. Hey, everyone watching. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Thanks. Yourself? Not bad, thank you. Not bad. Now, last week, um, we um, we were talking about the confluence and the, the, the blood sacrifice at the confluence. Um, was it a sacrifice? Talk us through your experience of the uh, of, of, of the tournament of the weekend. Well, there wasn't any bloodshed for a start, which was <laughs> a bit of a shame in a way, but... <laughs> <laughs> Definitely some, some egos got bashed, that's for sure. Um, I mean, I've I was lucky enough to to play the Confluence course uh, earlier on this year. You very kindly showed me around um, yeah. in um, in sort of January time, um, and it was pretty overgrown. I'll be honest, um, For sure. and it was it was pretty um, pretty rugged in places. Lots of fallen trees. You had to watch your step, and you know, marking your lie was 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 pretty 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 tough. Um, is it any different from when I came around in January? Yeah, it's playing heaps different at the moment, actually. Okay. Um, there's, yeah, none of that sort of spring growth. Um, so it's like reasonably clean under on, underfoot. Um, mm -hmm. to, just not as much, not as not as many weeds. Um, but yeah, all the sticks and stuff is still there. So <laughs> yeah. we've tried to um, clear the fairways as much as possible. But yeah, if you miss your line and hit a tree or go off the fairway at any stage it's pretty hard to get back on mm, mm. Were, yeah. were any many lost many lost discs uh i think there were a couple that went into the river because uh, yeah. the cadrona has got pretty high like not too not too long beforehand so mm -hmm. yeah there's as soon as they went in there there's no getting them back and unless you went to cromwell or something <laughs> Now, what was it like setting up for, was this your first tournament experience in like setting it up and like running it? How did that kind of go for a one day event for yourself? Um, not so much for setting it up because I helped out with like um, boards and ladies of Lismore and like Moonbase. Um, so I had set up a little bit before, but um, yeah, I didn't really get too much into the running of it. There was um, Ed and Coop, who, who did a great job at um, 
yeah, bring life to to the event, the whole blood sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> they went above and yeah, really, really went crazy on the idea, which was cool. <laughs> <laughs> like to the extent of like dripping, I think some food dye into the water to try and make it look like blood. <laughs> <laughs> so no, that was good. And then how do you feel finishing, you finished tied second, right? Like how was your play over the weekend? Is it what you'd expect on your home course or were you hoping to perform a little better? How, how was your play? Uh, personally, I was hoping to perform a little bit better, but as you do at your home course, you kind of want to come out on top, but um, yeah, just couldn't quite put it all together on the day. But, yeah, it, it seemed pretty tight. Uh, across the whole kind of top of that MPO division. It was really, it really looked as if, you know, going after the first round, you've got a one-shot lead over Hemi and, and Ollie. Yeah. Um, and then going into round two, Jay uh, Watkinson comes back and Ollie has a good round and uh, Hemi falls away a little bit, you fall away a little bit, and then you yeah. both catch up in the um, on the Sunday. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, in the afternoon. And so what, how, talk us through that one's been a bit of a roller coaster to 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 deal with it you know we we tend to see yeah. um more consistent cards i guess from one round to the next for sure and i think that's just the nature of the course like you get a wee bit um off your line and hit a tree and then you're kind of mm -hmm. staring down the barrel of a bogey straight away whereas yeah. like if you miss the tree by a by an inch or so then you're in for birdie so it's, mm. it is definitely a game of inches on that course. And if you miss your line, then you're definitely like taking some numbers, which gives you that sort of, um, yeah, disparity and or less consistency in rounds. So. Well, yeah. and you and I are no stranger to like competing for the top of the table and that kind of stuff. And, and we've both been around the place for a little while and we see the competition getting harder. So sure. is, what does it take to like win and compete at the top? Um, you know, like you've been at the top for quite some time, you know, like kind of always the bride maid, never the bride, but <laughs> yeah. you know, like arguably like you're still like, what do you think? separates the like you know first place from second and then also like for you what keeps you in that top five all the time when it comes to events down south um i think what separates like, sort of the first from second is pro probably the putting definitely um yeah because i i personally have been a sort of pretty happy with usually pretty happy with my drives and I usually get off the tee pretty good but it's usually the putting where I'm sort of get a wee bit yeah wayward <laughs> for sure <laughs> yeah yeah so I think that's that's what mainly what separates first and second yeah well and then so if you're always so is it the fact that you're clean off the tee is that what keeps you in the top five like what are your strengths on the course yeah kind of lean on i think i'm just a relative relatively consistent player like i don't do go too crazy like i don't play too many crazy shots or anything like i try and play as smooth as possible and usually that gives me consistent results so like i'd be in a relatively good position where i could
get a par and sort of avoid getting bogey as much as possible. Like, and I'm not too bothered if I um, say I get off the tee and I hit a tree or whatever, and um, that takes pretty out of the question. I'm not too like angry at myself for that. I sort of just changed my mindset to play like, oh well, let's let's play for par now. Let's get this sorted. <laughs> That's okay. It's a, I mean, you, you you mentioned it there, and I think it's a it's a skill um, that uh, often gets overlooked. Actually, the the idea of being able to shift your internal kind of expectation um, yeah. from 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 going for the birdie, which is going to be the default kind of position for the majority of the holes, um, mm-hmm. to going in a matter of seconds. Right? Okay, I've got to, I've, I've, I'm looking at something different here. And being able to change it yeah. and being all right with that, you know, not sure. being annoyed at yourself or other card mates and then not carrying it forward into the next, into future holes, but switching your mindset and, and being okay. Is it, is it something that you, it's hard to say you practice it. I mean, how do you practice something like that? I mean, is, I mean, but what, talk, talk us through like what's going through your mind at that point. Well, it's, it's, for me, it's all about taking my opportunities when they arise. So like if I, have a great tee shot and I'm in, in the circle for a putt, then I'll yeah, have, take a shot at the birdie, but if I don't quite make it quite right, then I'm just like okay, this this might not be a birdie, but I'm still happy with the par. Yeah. So, do you think that your style of play suits the kind of rugged courses like Confluence or do you think it suits a more kind of open, perhaps golf course kind of kind of uh, kind of course? What, what would you prefer? Well, to be honest, I think it, my type of game suits pretty much any course, as like sort of my results show in a way, because I like I am pretty consistent no matter what what event I play, unless my don't feel very good about my putting or whatever, and or yeah, something doesn't quite feel right, but most of the time, yeah, works out pretty well. Yeah, I well, mean, I we talk... go on, Brady. Uh, no, go ahead. Oh, because we, I mean, you, you talked about uh, consistency. I mean, uh, second place at Tucker Beach, uh, st- uh, tied for second place here, uh, took fourth at Timaru, um, sixth at Lismore. I mean, we're, we're consistently seeing kind of top, top eight kind of displays um from yourself and yeah and so you must be kind of thinking going into future tournaments and i've seen that wahitapu's next for you and then uh and then um at least in terms of registration i think it's nationals um there may be ones in between um yeah. there probably there will be ones in between um <laughs> so what do you what do you think you need to do or practice in order to push that push that little bit more and, and get that win. You mentioned the difference between first and second is putting. Is, is that where the, where the, uh, where the gap is for you? Uh, well, now that you mentioned it, not so much that, well, that alongside, um, recently I've been noticing that I've been having like a really good first round. And then my second round hasn't sort of like, I've had a bit of a cold start or whatever. I just mm. struggled to get some birdies off the bat. So, there is that sort of mindset I think I have to get around coming off a like reasonably hot round, going into the second and trying to 
like keep that going. I think that's the key for me to be doing better at the moment, for sure. Mm, mm. Like, I, I think that's at the weekend, at the confluence, I shot like a negative three first round and then a plus one second round and then stopped for some lunch, had a bit of a break, had some food or whatever, uh, three under fourth, third round and then a even fourth round. So there's so definitely something of... that I need to... Mm. Look into there, but yeah, it's just just working through that, I suppose, mentally. Does it break the flow up then? Having that kind of break in between round. I mean, you played nine holes, then you've got kind of. Did you just morph into the second round, or was it a case of there was a there was a break for everybody? You came together and then you started again. What was the what was the schedule like? Uh, there was a small break in between. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we came did back you... and then. Yeah, swapped the cards up and yeah, went back out and played mm. again. Mm. That's interesting. So it wasn't that a huge you, break. That that's interesting that you've got this kind of at least this time to kind of pause and and possibly at that even that point even look at scores which you might not have done if you were at hole nine in of an eighteen hole round. For sure. Um, yeah, I don't like looking at scores at all. Yeah, but you may have looked at the scores after the first round, right? Or at least you would have known about them because they would have changed the cards around, presumably, and yeah. so you would have found out. So I, I don't know. Does that does that play a part? I mean, uh, where, where do you where do you see you don't you say you don't like looking at scores as you go? Around? Yeah, and I think it definitely does play a part, for, mm. for, just for that reason, like knowing that you have played well, and I don't know, maybe I relax a bit too much, or yeah. Mm. Mm. Brady, what, what do you do? Do you, do you like looking at scores as you go around? Oh, gosh, you, no, I hate it. You hate it? Like, it's one of those... Well, like, I've been on cards, like, I've played with Ryan and that kind of stuff, and normally, even if I'm keeping score, like, I'll keep the score, and I won't show scores on the scorecard, and, like, I'll just mm. keep playing, because, like, Ryan kind of touched upon, I like to kind of stay in that flow, and Ryan and I have had some great practice rounds together. I remember when we practiced for Southern Smash, like, we're both playing great, and then, like, it comes mm. to, like, tournament time, and we're all like... What happened here? And so that's well, speaking of like Southern Smash, like that's nationals next year. So you know, like and that's definitely got some like through the woods is is definitely tight. And if you hit a tree and get off your line, it, yeah, it's right. not so hot. Are you going to change up your like game plan going into that? Are you going to try to like work on stuff or like play more come summer? Um, what's <laughs> going to change between last year and like this year coming? Uh, I think. I'm going to try and play a little bit less, actually, to be honest. Ooh. Yeah. Because um, there was a period of time where I'd just be playing every day. And I don't know, it was it was good. I enjoyed it, but I kind of needed a bit of a break in between there. Yeah. And now that I've, like, I've started taking a few days off, like, from playing disc golf for a bit and finding, get into it a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. The the I think it's a really interesting mental mental thing. I mean, but put your comments in below. I'd be, I'd be keen to know what people what people think. Do you like to follow scores? Are you one of those people who like right? Okay, I did this, and now I've got to do that. Or are you someone who like Brady and Ryan um, like to kind of hide away from it? Because both on both the PDGA app and Udis, you can hide your kind of ongoing score so that you only put the scores in for the whole. You hit next, or whatever, and you you know it doesn't show you how how you're performing. 
Um, yeah, honestly, I, I I used to think it was a thing, like and that I get really kind of like it's in my head and stuff. But uh, I don't think I play any different, honestly. Uh, and honestly, because I I'm I work it out as I go. Like I'm I'm in, in between holes. I'll be thinking I'll be thinking about it, right? And that's probably the wrong thing to do. It's probably why I'm playing at the level I am. But the uh, you know it, it's something that I think you know it doesn't actually. I would say it does help towards the end of tournaments, knowing yeah. what your position is, right? So when you're on hole 16 of the final round and you might be in contention, um, or at least you might be going for that spot in the ladder that you were aiming to get after the after the you know penultimate round, um, to, to go and say, right, okay, what do I need to do on these holes um, at a minimum to defend your position or to, or to attack the position you want? For sure, and there's what... Um, happened at Tucker's recently. Like I saw that um, I think it was about four holes to go, and I knew I had a bit of a cold start, so I knew Jaden was sort of probably in front of me, but I wasn't exactly sure. Mm. So, yeah, that's when I'd get my phone out and have a look at the scores and see what I needed to do to to try and push. Yeah, and you hope it's kind of in line with your expectation, right? But, um, or better than. Yeah. Because you have some feeling, definitely. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course, yeah, of course, of course. I mean, everybody, even on practice round, has a fair idea of like what what's uh, what's going on. So, what what's next for you then? You've got um, you've got Wahi Tapu that you that you're registered for in October, end of October. Is that your ne- yeah. going to be your next next event? Do you think? Um, probably not. Um, not sure when Moonbase is this year. Um, but hoping to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, probably not anything else before that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You mentioned taking some, taking some time off and, and stuff and then yeah. a pretty busy, uh, pretty busy, busy summer, um, For sure. coming in, right. Um, we've got three massive events in February, March, um, and then the, the usual suspects like Heisender, et cetera, that's going to be, uh, that's going to be, um, hitting the schedule. Um, I'm sure. Uh, as we go as we go through, and then I wouldn't be surprised if there's a bunch of other ones that we we haven't you know haven't been advertised yet that pop into this the schedule. For sure. <clears throat> excellent, excellent. So um, so look, you've Wahidapu. Um, you're gonna you're gonna want to. There was something about this tournament that I looked I looked up last year. What did I look up last year? Last year's Wahidapu from memory, and then I looked at the um, how you how you did yeah. i i sense looking at the kind of positions and the kind of the some of the analytics that the um uh the, the data analytics team have given me that you were a little bit disappointed with your performance of white Apple last year so you're looking is is that fair and will you be looking for a bit of revenge yeah i suppose so it was pretty um tricky conditions um that first day if i remember rightly it was pretty soaked <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah hopefully it's not like that again and i can yeah have some dry play and yeah hopefully push for that um top four or i think they do a super five or six or something the super six shootout isn't it yeah super six shootout indeed indeed excellent well i excellent. think i've missed out on it by one one spot both years so 
Yeah, no, last year, last year was seventh. Yeah, and uh, our data analytics team was was tipping you to win that tournament um, at right. the time. So, uh, so yeah, so it's uh, it's interesting. Um, Jay Watkinson finished nineteenth in that tournament last year, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. It's going to be an exciting battle, whatever happens. Um, there's, there's, there's a bit of a clash there. I really have to say, White Duff is probably the first one of a bunch of tournaments I'm really looking forward to um, in terms of uh, seeing some 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 a, a group of quality young players come together and uh, and really shoot it out. I mean, we've we've had you know lots of tournaments happen, but few where everybody's played. Right, yeah. everybody's been on like this in the same tournament, and so so that should be uh, that should be quite exciting. Excellent. Sure. Right, let's move on to Desert Island Disc Golf. Um, so this is part of the show. This the premise here is that Ryan is stranded on a desert island. Um, there is a disc golf course on this desert island, um, and he has been stranded with three of his favourite discs and three of his favourite card mates. Now his card mates. Uh, can be alive or dead, real or fantasy, season pros or people he knows. Nailed it. Uh, and so, Ryan, uh, what are your discs? What did you bring with you to the desert island? Uh, first up, you can't go without trusty MV. Yes. yes. <laughs> I, love I don't know. MVP along. I fell in love with this disc the first time I threw it and mm -hmm. just haven't looked back. Unfortunately, this one isn't my favourite one. My favourite one got stolen by a little kid at Livemore. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Just ran right. off with it before I could get to the hole. That is um, savage. <laughs> but this, this one started to beat in pretty much like the other one. So, yeah, it's okay. starting to throw really nice. Okay. And is that this in, uh, you, got, you got that in Neutron or is that in uh, Electron? Uh, this is Neutron. Neutron. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I've also got. Um, uh, so neutron, the, well. the neutron is the uh, equivalent of uh, gold line or ESP or star plastic, I guess. Um, yeah, but this one's just getting to the stage where it can put it on a little bit, a little bit of hyzer and flip it up to flat, and sometimes it will even right to the right. So wow, getting really workable, which is real nice. nice. Good stuff, good stuff. Yeah, and it was well worked very well for uh, last year at Worlds. So um, yeah. <laughs> yep. um, what what else have you got? Uh, I've got a Star Wraith as well. Star Wraith? Yeah. It's um been so well used that I've rubbed the stamp right off. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm like, that's, that's a well-loved Wraith right there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, this just, I can get probably my max distance with this disc. So, mm -hmm. yeah, just love it. Excellent. Um, Excellent. And then the last one, I can't go past my Glow Tui. Glow too. You see, that's your that's your putter, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. You putt with the glows. Uh, I used to, but I don't so much anymore. Kind of switched away from them. Okay. But I think um, I'm gonna go, gonna go back. Okay. And why <laughs> why glow and not atomic or cosmic for for those uh, people who might be wondering? Well, this this run of glow too seems to be a lot more stable than any of the other ones mm -hmm. like this run in particular as well like i've thrown a lot of other glow toys which just seem to turn over a lot more but this mm -hmm. one seems to yeah really hold a lot of um like still release it on hyzer and it'll flip up to flat but it will just ride for ages and just yes yeah. yeah. so much glide 
Awesome. So, yeah. Awesome. A uh, bit of an orange theme other than the glow going on. Is that is that a theme <laughs> of the bag or just coincidence for those discs? Uh, just a coincidence. Yeah. Oh, okay. Excellent. Got lots of different colours. Lolly Scramble. Lolly Scramble. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, so who have you got on your card with you? Who are you taking with you? Uh, I can't really go past um, Cooper Solis, Dom uh, Hayden, and Camber Cogren. Excellent. Three Solid group of guys right there. Three uh, fellow Wanakans um, yep. joining you on your desert island. Fantastic. And you have a great time, I'm sure. Um, good stuff. Excellent. Um, look, um, we've got uh, the. We've also got um, a quick fire round. Cool. Um, so I shall find my questions. So we've got the family friendly front nine, which is the uh, um, same questions every week for every person, and a safari back nine, which is different questions each week for everybody and takes the form of this or that so here we go what's your name ryan cambridge uh where were you born wanaka and where do you live now wanaka and what's your pdga number one five eight seven two eight and how many years have you been playing uh two and your favorite course uh paradise your favorite disc Ooh. Blow to e. Your favorite MPO player? Uh, can't go past Simon. And your favorite FPO player? Uh, Kristen Tatar. Lovely stuff. Excellent. Thank you so much. Brady, back nine. Uh, let's start with dessert or entree. Dessert. Sunrise or sunset? Ooh. Sunset. Snow tramping or ice climbing? Ice climbing. Hot lunch or cold lunch? Hot lunch. Natural out-of-bounds or man-made out-of-bounds? Natural, 100%. Nine whole course or 18 whole course? 18. One day event or three? Three. Nationals champion or tours champion? Nationals. And my favorite, do you run it or do you lay it up? Always run it. <laughs> Fantastic. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Um, look, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us um, this evening. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, and look, very best of luck um, as we won't see on tour for a while. Wahitapu looks like it might be, it could be the next one. So uh, we'll look out for your scores then. Um, all the best and uh yeah um see you soon thanks for having me on cheers guys cheers, Ryan. thanks for coming cheers, Ryan. lovely wow. stuff uh, let's get you on the right side excellent um yeah so look, ryan's really been kind of always always there or thereabouts for like in any tournament that he's at right He's always in that kind of top eight he's always in that conversation of league card chase card won't be too long before he wins something yeah Oh yeah, he's got that like Calvin Heimberg, like always in the mix kind of deal. You know, like I honestly think about him a little bit now, like Joel Freeman too, of like one of those of like, why does this name keep popping up? Why is he always in the top ten? And like that, yeah, his his weekend's coming. Him and I have had great battles in the past. Um, you know, like we had that playoff for 
for nationals, not this past year, but the year before. So yeah, you know, like it's great to see, and I'm still shocked that, you know, like he's playing as well as he is, you know, like two years on, but to be fair, when he talks about his card mates, Cooper Salas uh, and the silver Fox himself, Dom Hayden, like they have such a great crew in Wanaka. Um, mm. Always a pleasure to go hang, hang out with them and, and play some disc golf. So yeah, they got a great crew down there. So no wonder after two years, they're playing as well as they do. Yeah, I mean, and uh, he was very kind enough to show me around Lismore, Ely, uh, and Confluence with uh, with Dom um, when I went down there. Uh, yeah, hit all three of them in one day. That was a good day. Um, and yeah, yeah, Ryan played outstanding for the whole day. Hit like I don't know, some silly score under par, and I was there just struggling. To get the so uh, so yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, right. Um, let's move on. Some news um, has happened. Nationals registration is open. Dun, dun, dun. National registration is open. I have registered, Brady. I have registered for nationals. I am in. I, I'm stoked. Uh, one of 112 people who have so far registered. Um, so, uh, so yeah, Wait, so that's, that's exciting. Pause for a second. You, mm. re- like, you, Wellington, mm. have mm. registered for nationals in, like, wave one or whatever they're calling it. Yeah, it was. Is, yeah, wave one. Have I- have I missed? How did you register for nationals already? I can't even register for nationals already. <laughs> well, you well, okay. So, um, registration for nationals opened on the twenty first of August, which was last Sunday, for disc golf, disc golf South members, divisional winners of twenty twenty two Smash and twenty twenty two nationals, and top sixty four men from the twenty twenty one twenty two standings. Um, now, I'm nowhere near the top sixty four, as you as you well know. Um, not least because I switched divisions a couple of times um, <laughs> and I I didn't win any divisions. But what I could do uh, is join Disc Golf South. So I did uh, about a week before uh, I signed up for Disc Golf, Disc Golf South, paid the entry fee um, to join Disc Golf South for the year. Um, and that enabled me to register for nationals. So uh, I got in, um, which I'm pleased about. Because uh, it means I'm not having to rush around, right? So open registration. International players opens tomorrow at 1. And then on Sunday at 5 p.m. Um, is open registration. But it means that I'm not having to rush around on Sunday. I can take it easy. My place is secured. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, that's a thing, right? Um, and I I don't know. I What... And I appreciate your position, your your NZDG position here. But what are your what are your thoughts on this? That if you can join, uh, I, I I paid fifteen dollars to join Disc Golf South, um, and I don't see it as um, money wasted at all. Because even if it it doesn't sell out, I could have got it easily. Because you know, at the end of the day, the guys down in in will do a great job of of bringing through juniors and ladies and all sorts of stuff. And so to support them is is good. Fifteen dollars feels to me not unreasonable um to pay to not have the stress or kind of having to click the button really quick at five o'clock on sunday or, or worried that if i'm not at a computer or whatever that i'll be able to get in um and so it just seemed it seemed like the right the right decision um you know and the, the kind of and disc golf south get a bit of money for 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 this year to to help them do whatever they they want to do um it does uh, it does open the question which says well i'm I'm kind of paying for the privilege to register early right um and is that right is is that right that that's done don't know what do you think well i i have to i have to remove myself a little bit 
um, you know, like I am chair of NZDG. And so, you know, like there is, um, I have to be careful about what I say. And let's just say like, I'm interested to see how registrations are going, you know, that uh, I myself, when I ran nationals this past year, you know, like used disc golf scene, um, which seems to be kind of widely adopted at this stage by many of the tournaments um, when it comes to that, though, I know that there are hurdles and headaches that come with using disc golf scene. So I'm interested to see how widely adapted that is going. Um, and yeah, you know, like I'm also interested to see how registrations and waves of registrations are going forward. So, you know, like whether it's a nationals, whether it's a North or South Island championships, whether it's a one day event, such as the like blood sacrifice at the confluence. Um, yeah. You know, like it's, I definitely think more discussion and more, um, not necessarily like unity, but uh, just a cons like level of consistency um, mm. across, uh, you know, like as, as we grow, you know, like more people want to register. And like you said, there's stress that comes involved with that. You know, like I know a lot of local Wellington players who've missed out on a lot of the like tour events around the country because they haven't been able to register in time because, you know, these registrations will open three to four months ahead, which is incredible. Um, but at the same time, they can't book time off that far out. So they can't, you know, do they register taking the risk that they may have to work or not work or be available on that weekend? So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it's going forward, um, which at this point I can also say. I do know that there is a big round table. Um, Bray has already been super proactive as the tour director this year um, for NZDG. And I know that he has invited um, all of the tour directors from mm -hmm. the past yeah, year or that he can get a hold of uh, to come sit at this round table. So I'm looking forward to that discussion and to kind of see, yeah, you know, like, will registration come up? Will we talk about that? You know, like, will it be a point uh, of you know, like, yeah, what, well, what do other TDs around the country think? So yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how it's going. And I mean, honestly, congratulations, you know, like well done on registering, you know, like congratulations to the 112. Um, you can sit easy and relax. I see that Ryan himself is, is a winner. So like, well done to him as well. Um, so yeah, you know, like, but again, I'm looking forward to nationals regardless. So yeah, it should be, mm -hmm. should be a great event. Um, like you said, disc golf South puts on wonderful events down South with the smash. I was super lucky and super grateful to go down last year and see the course. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm hoping and looking forward to getting down again this year. That's right. I mean, even as we've been talking, someone's registered. So it's up to 113 now, which is, uh, which is fantastic. Um, uh, yeah, look, I, I, I've used disc golf scene before as a, as a tournament director. Um, and it's, Thoughts? it would, yeah, look, I I quite like it because it it does a lot of the a, a lot of the admin. There's a fee for it, which we did. We used it for the Women's Global event, and I, at first I felt a little bit kind of like, you know, putting putting an extra fee on to use this registration format. I thought was a little bit was a little bit kind of like, mm. but then uh, nobody mentioned it as being a problem. Right? Nobody mentioned it. Um, and I thought uh, maybe at the women's global event. I think generally the feeling was that there was the what, what you got for your money um, was 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 pretty good. Um, so you know, a couple of extra bucks on a administration fee to register isn't isn't a problem. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that look, I I guess there's there's two things. One is um, is is that. There's two. There's two things for me. Let me try and articulate them um, uh, properly. 
Um, one is, should you limit or should you give preferential register registrations to people who live in the area or who are members of the, the, the local club uh, for a major event, right? So um, uh, one of the majors I'm talking about now, for a, for a, for a regular tour series event, perhaps not, um, perhaps it doesn't matter. Um, and then second, do you, how do you ensure that, like me, who's been to Invercargill once, and I, sorry, twice, uh, <laughs> no, no, once, it's just once, um, and 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 I've been able to join Disc Golf South, and um, I look forward to uh, receiving their newsletters or, or whatever they uh, whatever they do. Oh, um, do you get a bag tag? Oh, can you I fight them maybe. down? I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. We'll find out. Um, but it's, <laughs> uh, it, it seems it seems odd that like. I could do that. But then, you know, I guess as, as far as Disco South concerned, they're like, well, yeah, look, if you want to join, then join. Um, pay your money and we'll, we'll use that money to put new courses in the ground or, or, or you know, um, encourage more juniors to play or whatever. All of which are very good um, things and things that I would, I would support. Yeah. And for 15 bucks, I don't think it was too bad, especially when the cost of the tournament's like 150 when you've added all the other stuff on. So, for a 10% in increase in order to a 10% increase to the cost of the entry to secure my entry. So I'm not kind of fluffing about then, then great. Um, be interested to know, did anyone else do what I did and join disc golf South in order to be able to register for nationals early? Did anyone else do it? I mean, you can admit I'm admitting it. it's not, I don't feel bad about it. Um, I, I, I think that um, it would be, you know, it's, if, if you did it, I'd be interested to see how many people how many people did. Although looking down the uh, the list of invites, we've got a few um, international players, uh, all ladies, because the international men doesn't open until tomorrow. Um, but we've got a couple of international ladies coming along, which is going to be fantastic. We've got um, Cassie Sweeten um, and uh, uh, Tusi Frinquin um, coming over from Australia. So uh, that's going to be uh, uh, it's Tosh. To is it Tosh? My apologies. Yeah. Uh, my apologies. Tosh Frequent uh, coming over from Australia um, and Cassie and then a couple of other ladies in the uh, FA1 division. So it's going to be um, uh, it's going to be very, very um, exciting. Lots of Wellingtonians entered, which is fantastic to see as well. And it's starting to oh, fill up. Man. Love tournaments like this. Um, yeah. I didn't know. Man, Cassie's coming over. So she's five-time reigning and current reigning, if I'm not mistaken, Australian champion for FPO. Mm. Um, so she's one of, and arguably the best disc golfer female wise to come out of Australia. Um, she's been team Innova like long ago, back in the, like uh, her and Hemi have been teammates for ages now. Um, the mm -hmm. fact that her and Tosh, her and Tosh went to compete in the, what's now become the throw pink challenge. Um, which used to be oh, yeah. like the U.S. Women's Challenge. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Cassie's longtime disc golfer. She's absolutely great people. If she's coming over, I would not be surprised to see either Patty Robinson, who's been over before, yeah. Cassie's mm -hmm. partner, um, Jarrah Sweeten, Jazz. Um, he's mm -hmm. a great player from Australia as well. There's also um, oh, Casper's come over before. He's played down in Paradise as well. There's a few Aussies in that kind of like Melbourne contingent mm -hmm. in and around and good mates with Cassie. Um, who might be coming over. So Cassie, I'm super excited that you're coming over. Big shout out to you. Super looking forward to that. Um, well done by Disc Golf South on getting some Aussies coming down. Yeah, and we say there's a few people. Braves mentioned that there was about eight people all up who did it. Um, now, my feeling is that perhaps more people will do it if this kind of thing is done in the future to kind of secure a place. And, you know, 
so the question then becomes, well, if this is done for South Island champs, not sure if it will, um, and then it's done for Topor, I'm going to be end up being a member of like every disc golf club in the country um, in order to secure things. It's going to cost me a fortune. It's going to be, it's, you know, I'll be eaten out of house and home. This is, uh, this is outrageous. So Yeah, I was going to um, say, didn't you just buy a house? Like you might have wanted to like wait on that if you're going to be joining all these clubs. I might have to remortgage my only re recently <laughs> bought a house to, uh, in order to, in order to do that. Um, so yeah, look, I, I think, I, I think it's going to be an interesting one. I think it's giving preference to local players to a major is the bit that I'm stuck on. Right. Um, and, and so, yeah, I don't have a problem with the top 64 or anything like that. That's exactly what it should be. And then um, uh, the ladies and juniors and international players totally agree with all of that. Um, and so, but it's it's giving it giving the, to the local players and the fact that I can just game the system, right? And I, I, I might have, you might call it gaming the system, or it might be exactly what Disc Golf South wanted. Because now, according to Bray, they've got eight people signed up who otherwise wouldn't um that's another bunch of money for them that is going to uh, that's going to go towards um the good stuff that they're doing um down there um yeah and, and uh, richard makes a good point about about manually doing using disc golf manually doing registration or using disc golf scene right it just takes away all those spreadsheets and tracking payments and doing all that kind of gump so yeah, sorry, Brady. Oh, you, I was gonna say you'd you'd be surprised at how much you probably still have to do. Disc golf scene helps, but is not perfect. No, um, no, I, and, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, of, of course, of course. Um, no, but yeah, I'm definitely interested tournaments and, and that kind of stuff. And it's definitely a much bigger conversation mm -hmm. when it comes to you know, like, well, what's the purpose of a tournament? And you know, like, is registration and tiered registration, you know, like, what purpose is that serving? Like, how is that adding value to your players? Mm -hmm. And the idea of, you know, like, it's been spoken of, I think we've spoken of it in the past, the idea of and especially like, say, for nationals, right, of that you want all of the best players, arguably from around the country and overseas, yep. to be competing yep. in that event, right? And, so, and that's what the tiered registration allows, right? So they've, right? they've already catered for that. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Yep. And so, yeah, you know, like that idea. But, you know, if you have, say, because this came up in the past too, right? North Island champs at Bethel's. There was a limited run of, <clears> of players. I think it was capped out around 100, 110, something like that <clears> for the Bethel's tournament. And they allowed it was North Island champs and they allowed Auckland members to become yeah, yeah. Or like register yeah. early. Mm -hmm. But like Auckland's a massive city. Arguably, I do know at the time the club itself was rather small in registration. So it wasn't seen of like selling out, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But the idea of upcoming South Island champs is in Christchurch, arguably yeah. one of the largest clubs in the country. That's right. And so like if they get preferential treatment, will that event sell out before anyone else gets to play? And mm. then it's like, OK, well, then, you know, like and then it's almost becomes like a local tournament and not a national tournament. So, yeah, you know, like there's interesting like kind of growth in the game and like who you're targeting with your event, your tournament, your major, et cetera, that mm. kind of starts to come into play with, you know, like why and how you're hosting this event and how people can register for it. Yeah, right. Um. I, I think it's uh, I think it's it's an it's an interesting conversation. It's certainly one that I don't think we've kind of uh, we've we've finished on. So um, yeah, I was uh, so I was pretty pleased that all that went through. I was able to casually register on Sunday last week um, without having to worry about 
you know, being sniped um, or any of that kind of stuff uh, to um, on it. But saying that, only half that less than half the, the spaces of of of, of sold. Um, there's 250 spots um, available, um, and I, you know, there's so there's international players that opens on um, tomorrow, um, plus a bunch of people who who won't have. Um, who are, who are eligible but haven't registered yet. So I suspect that that will probably rise to, I don't know, maybe 125, 130, um, which leaves about 120 players to play fastest finger first on Sunday um, at 5 p.m. Um, you know, and there's, there is a, there's a bunch of players that I know, even in Team Sweet Chain, we've had a chat about this and, and we, we, you know, there's uh, nearly everybody who's playing, a lot, a lot of Team Sweet Chain have made it in already. Um, and been able to register, but um, some of them, um, yeah, haven't. So we shall see what happens. Um, let us know your thoughts on this. This is uh, it's, it's a bit of a hot topic um, and an interesting one, and certainly a, an interesting um, way to do it. Right. Uh, let's well, yeah, move so yeah, speaking of gaming the system, did you want mm. you had some rules thing that came up at Des Moines that you wanted That's to right. discuss? Yeah. So at the Des Moines Challenge recently, um, uh, let's just watch what happened, shall we? Um, let's find the thing. Uh, we're going to find this one. Um, so this is a preview of hole 12 um, at the Des Moines Challenge. Um, this is the final round, um, and this is uh, hole 12. We'll, we'll watch all of hole 12, and you can kind of see how it plays. Um, yeah. Either way. On to hole 12, par 3, 260. There's a double Mando players have to navigate. From there, it's a pretty straight shot, but there is OB down the hill to the right, and any OB or missed mandatories will go to a drop zone. So double uh, double Mando. Simon with the lone birdie. Previous hole. Oh, pulls very high. Did that even make the mandatory? Like it kicked, kicked right, made the mando. That was very, that was pulled very hard left, and so is this one. Good break near the rocks. As an aside, I would not be taking a side arm to this shot. For Robert. <laughs> All right, you have time before nationals to work on it. You'll yeah. need it on the one. I like this. Very yeah. nice shot. Your... So you can see the idea, right? You've got a, this Mando here, and Simon's gone high left, and it's kind of kicked back. And we'll have a look in a minute what exactly what's that. This is what I'd try to be doing. It's like exactly what this kid's doing this here. Kid. Mm -hmm. You know he's throwing a putter, right, Matt? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got no chance of doing 260 of a putter, but still. <laughs> So what's happening here is that there's a after the mando the disc has hit a tree and then it's crossed back through the plane the mandatory plane they have which is a vertical vertical line that extends infinitely upwards and then at 90 degrees to the mando from the tee box would have to then re-go through the mando uh, so it's kind of looped back on itself. And as a result, he's missed so the mandate. Yeah, so that kicks from the fair side of the mandatory. Yep. 
back behind the line of the mandatory, which means that Simon has missed the mandatory. Yes. Hmm. Is determined yeah. by the group, and that that's the new ruling. And this is exactly what I knew was going to happen when they brought in this season. new ruling. When they changed the, because this just this changed this year. Yeah, because it came up a lot. There was a lot of talk and discussion in and around this with Paige Pierce at was it well, Worlds? I think. You, yeah, where they missed the Amanda completely. Didn't look like it. Yeah. Right, you know, like we're right. It missed it completely, depending on what you know, like or made it depending on what camera mm-hmm. angle you did. Now, you you showed me before the show. You brought up like an infographic. Can you bring that up yeah. again? Yes, I can. So yes. that, like it'll help people so, see it. So this this is off um, UDISC, right? So if you want to know where we are, this is Disc Golf Rules Explained Mandatories off the uh, UDISC blog called Release Point, um, and this was released in March, shortly before the rule was changed or the rule change came into effect. And so what we can see here is, and Simon's disc, it's, it's a mirror image. So you have to imagine it's, it's a mirror image here, right? So you've got your Mando Lego tree here. Um, and this is what his disc did. It kind of, and if you imagine where this disc changes direction is a tree, it hits this tree, comes back and crosses this plane, uh, which is at 90 degrees to the, um, to, to, to the, to the tee box and the, um, and the tree so it's kind of and looped back in um you see an alternative path there where it just you just miss it completely right and that is now um out that's now classed as being out of out bounds or you know you've missed the mando um brady talk us through the reason why this rule change came into came into effect because it's bound to happen in in a tournament in new zealand it's bound to um, happened to someone. It may have even happened to somebody since March. Talk us through why this is the rule. Well, one of the things that a lot there was a bit of confusion um, in the old mandatory rule over typically marking the disc. And so the idea of because how the old rule stated that um, like the mandatory was I think it was 90 degrees from the T-pad, like perpendicular mm-hmm. to the T-pad. Yeah. Which meant that, so in this, this hole is a great example, right? You know, like it goes out pretty straight and then finishes kind of hard or hard-ish to the right. And so like that idea of a lot of the times, you know, like these mandatories are used to kind of dictate how the shot is thrown. As you saw, there were three forehands and one backhand. Mm -hmm. And so that idea of off the tee, the first mark that you are like throwing towards is the mandatory. So the idea of like what that kind of allows until you pass the mandatory, it can give you a beneficial lie because your A4 sheet of paper where -hmm. you can legally like mark your stance and your lie is away from the mandatory, which in this case arguably would put you like to the left and like into the middle of the fairway rather than say behind, say the tree, Mm -hmm. you know, like say you hit the mandatory tree and fall short, right? Mm -hmm. Normally you would mark it towards the basket, which is how the rule now reads before you would mark it kind of towards your mandatory, which would like, could potentially give you more space to like maneuver around trees. I arguably didn't really like this rule coming through because of this reason itself. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like, and I always saw it this way as a plane. Um, But unfortunately by defining the plane, like it was, they were just trying to kind of clean up how it was talked about and the wording of it um and you know like by defining it as a plane but um, unfortunately you have these edge case scenarios arguably i need to read i think they've just released 
not like 48 hours ago, the new rule changes for this coming year. I like that the PDJ is always reviewing this stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they need to clean up of like once it successfully passed or navigated the mandatory that the plane no longer is in play, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So like this scenario doesn't happen. It's like he successfully did it, like made it through. He got a bad kick back, you know, like it's kind of being double penalized for it. Like Ryan brought it up before of like, oh, does he prefer man-made or natural out of bounds? Simon's in the rubbish, man. Like he's got a scramble from there. So like having him do a stroke penalty and come back to the middle of the fairway is like, why? Like, what well, are your thoughts on this? Did it make sense to you? Do you yeah. like this new rule change? Yeah, I, I I do. And I think it's the right thing to do. And I also think it was um, applied correctly. Now, there's two things that I'd point out. Um, the first one is that if you imagine the po- whole point of mandatories is to try and keep people away from places they don't want the disc to be thrown, right? And so what the course designer is saying is, we don't want you to throw a disc. We don't want a disc to go through this area here for whatever reason, right? It, it's up to them to decide what it might be. It doesn't have to be dangerous necessarily, but they've just decided that they don't want a disc to go through there. So if you throw a disc and it goes through there, then it's 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 missed the mando. The other um, point I'd make is that it makes it so that there isn't any dispute over whether you've hit the mando or not if you can't see like where the disc has gone off the tee, right? So if your card can't see where it goes, um, then it it wouldn't you wouldn't know you wouldn't necessarily know whether it hit the mando or not. So you can you can look based on its where it where it where it's lied as to whether it kind of comes back or not. Um, and I think that that um, that that kind of helps um, in those situations. Yeah, yeah, like you said, it, it's good. You know, like we have kind of a good comment that talks about the restricted space and that kind of stuff. And you bring up that good point of there are mandatories in places that you can't see. So that mm-hmm. idea of did it break the mando? Did it not? You know, like that. There's that kind of stuff at play. So this helps with blind mandatory, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, but I would not be surprised if if coming up in the future, if one, there's wording changing in and around this rule. And I also wouldn't be surprised if like going forward, I know that it's been a hot topic with us in the past, but the idea of officials on the course and the idea that potentially at these larger events that you have a spotter who is dedicated yeah. to monitoring, did you make yeah. or not make the Mando? Yeah. There was a guy with a flag. So there was a, uh, a guy with a flag, which kind of, he waved it to show that you made it through. But of course he's only going to make it, he's going to only going to wave his flag when it's obvious what's happened. And you can probably see that let's yeah. say from that hole. You can probably see what happens anyway. So um, he's certainly not going to make a call on a, one where it's uncertain from what's from what's been seen as to what happens. So, um, so I don't know. Um, the uh, yeah. So anyway, um, if if you come across um, any mandatories in future tournaments, this is uh, this is the ruling. Um, and so just be careful about where you throw your disc. Don't throw something super overstable or something that's going to skip back and potentially miss your mando. Um, I can't think there's too many mandos. Any, uh, there'll be some coming up. I know, like, Bros for Change is pretty notorious for having mandos of light poles and that kind of stuff to, to mm. keep people honest. What I can say is, any TDs out there, uh, if you are marking your mandos or just general out of bounds, please don't use red Lego bricks. 
um, they do kind of confuse us colorblind guys because I didn't notice that Lego brick in the photo on the right, just oh. in case anyone's wondering. <laughs> I'm like, why is it turning around? Like, I can see the blue plane that it like broke and it didn't make the Mando. And then I'm like, oh, there's a brick in the middle. Yeah, I got yeah. it now. Yeah. That's right. Um, so, uh, and also um, make sure that you, uh, that you, um, if you are a TD and you're marking out your Mandos, put in a drop zone that just avoids any kind of dispute or, um, uh, you know, where do I T for any of that, which we don't need. It makes it a lot easier for players. Put in a drop zone, put it next to the Mando, just a couple of flags like they've done in the, in the video and just make it easy for people to figure out what's done. Uh, right. Anyway, that's uh, enough of that. Right. Uh, what are we moving on to next? Predictions. We've got two tournaments coming up that we're going to be giving our predictions on. Uh, the first one is Cold Snap Open, uh, which is the final. Um, is it the final one? I don't know. Yeah, I believe so, yeah. It's the final uh, of the Dunedin trio of events, uh, which is open... Um, which it takes place uh, this weekend. Um, and so, Brady, what are your predictions for let me get the uh lineup up um up on the screen so that we can see what's going on and who's playing um let's have your predictions please for the cold snap open there we go uh well i mean of course you can't go past the stout brothers um they'll definitely be in the top five yeah. um i guess i'll for me I'll, I'll pick a couple dark horses here um so rounding out my top five besides the stout brothers um, Isaac Sassanuma Howard, um, is always a threat on these courses. So I'd love to see him in the top five and play well. Um, Tom McKay is also no stranger to playing well in Dunedin. Um, mm -hmm. I would like to see him do well, especially in MPO, but I can't go past none other than the South Palm self, Stephen Reed. I'd love to see the lefty play real well, um, coming up here for, uh, the, the final. How about you, Matt? Who do you got? Yeah, so um, a couple of names just to, for everybody to be aware of. Um, Andrew Popham uh, came second at the first of these events, and uh, Quinn Latter came second in the last of these events. So um, yeah, they've both got history in uh, of being able to being able to do it. It's a one day event, so I'm tipping Trent Hogg to play well. Always plays well at one day events, um, and uh, also got to support. Um, Team Sweet Chains, Andrew Fleming as well, of course, on his in his hometown. Um, but I can't put, look past Levi to uh, to take out the win, probably followed by Ethan. Um, and then I think there'll be a bunch of people uh, behind. Um, that's in MPO, and then in uh, adv big advance field as well. That's great. That's great to see in the ladies, uh, bigger ladies uh, division as well. Um, what do you think here? Eilish is coming down from Christchurch. Yeah, um, I'd like to see a battle between the Browns. Um, you know, like Suze Brown's been playing real well, and like same with Casey, yeah. but I think I'm going to go with Mama Brown on this one. She'll be my uh, dark horse for the ladies' division. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll played, give her the nod for the win. Played fantastic. Uh, played fantastic at the um, Women's Global event up in Wellington. Played very well. Um, right. Uh, next up, let's move on to Worlds, um, which is coming up uh, in a couple of days' time, really. I mean, does it start Wednesday of next week? Um, let's just bring out the, uh, the um, lineup. Starts on the 30th, so that is uh, Tuesday. So that'll be Wednesday for us, Wednesday morning, if you want to watch, uh, if you want to stay up and uh, watch that. Um, so we've got 
Um, uh, friend of the show, Scott Stokely, um, is is entered. We'll be following. We'll be following what what he does. Um, let's have a look at this end. Uh, right. So, what are your thoughts? Who do you think is going to do the business here? Um, I I I gotta say it's going to be a repeat of the European Open. Um, I I would put my money's on Eagle and Paul to kind of pull away. If Ricky's feeling well, don't get me wrong. He's definitely going to be in the mix, but I know that he was struggling with a bit of an injury here for like Des Moines and for, uh, Deglo just before, not Deglo. Um, uh, Ledgestone, Ledgestone that happened just before this. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely, I'd love to see Paul and Ricky pull away. I'd love Paul to get his sixth. Um, I really would um, love the guy. I think he's doing great stuff. I honestly think that he's got too much going on off the course. And so hopefully, you know, he's starting to push for the win here. And I, he always performs super well under pressure on a grand stage. Um, but yeah, Eagles rested. So it's one of those that to see him come kind of off of his injury recovery at the European Open um, is just, mm. just crazy. What are you thinking? So, uh, look, Macbeth always plays well at Worlds, right? Um, and so you've got to you've got to look at him. Um, Rick has got um, history here. He won the Dynamic Discs Open when it was um, held here, the regular Elite Series event earlier on in the year. Simon Lazot came second at this event earlier on in the year, or not this event, but the Deglo on the same uh, same courses, um, and it suits Simon's game um in in being relatively open um so i i i think that yeah really i think you're looking at between those three to be honest um i wouldn't be surprised if it was down to simon ricky and paul and then probably as we've been seeing this year um uh, maybe a, a surprise someone from someone who doesn't doesn't expect to be there um finds themselves there right um and there's plenty of names that that, that could uh, that could happen that could happen. Yeah, I was gonna say it's Emerson um, Keith in there. He's had two world's performances yeah, in a row look, where he's battling he, in the top five, man. He, so like I would not be surprised seems, to see. Yeah. Totally. He always seems to bring it out. I do like Emerson Keith, throws a lot of latitude. That's good to see. Um <laughs> and uh, he, he uh yeah, so so maybe we'll see Emerson Keith there and what a final round that would be. He does tend to heat up early at worlds and then needs to try and hang on so we'll see how uh see see how it goes and obviously mattio i'd like to see play well just because i think he's a, a a good character on the course as well um right and let's have a quick look at the ladies division this is going to be incredibly um we'll get there eventually i promise um it's going to be incredibly uh uh tight i would have thought um at the top um what do you think um it's like I you can't look past Kristen Tatar. She's absolutely destroying the American women when it comes to like the tour. Mm. She had like what a nine stroke lead after the first round. She had a couple hiccups in second and third, but still pulled away to win by like three or four in the end. Yeah. Um, Paige has kind of been off again. I, I feel like she's kind of fallen into that ball. She's got too much going on off the course. There was an altercation already uh, with her trying to warm up for worlds. Um my dark horse, I'm going to put on to own Scoggins. Um, she's played super wow, consistent okay. all year and yeah. she's been just off. If you've watched her on any of the MPO or the FPO coverage this year, like 
everything is clicking. It's just kind of like mm -hmm. one or two holes will kind of creep up on her each round. And so, yeah, it's one of those, if she can stay clean, I, mm -hmm. I would not be surprised if she was, she's not in the mix of the top three. And honestly, to be fair, the same moment, Missy Gannon, Missy Gannon has been playing super great uh, in this business end of the season as it were. So yeah, definitely um, got some good stuff going there. Yeah. Who's, um, who, who are you tipping Matt? So yeah, obviously, I think it's going to be. I, I think it's going to be uh, a tight at the top between Kristen and Page. Um, I think that that's going to be. I, I have to go. I have to uh, uh, put put the nod to Page, though. I think it's going to be six times, and uh, and and so I, I I think that she'll play well and she'll win. Um, uh, Owen Scoggins, fair fair shout. Um, I do think it maybe it's gonna. It, maybe it's a bit too. Uh, it's not woody enough. I don't know for for own. I think she's she she thrives more in on shorter, more technical courses where the putter is um, is perhaps more important. Um, and so we'll see. Um, my outside uh, pick for here is Ella Hansen. Um, played really well earlier on in the year at the Dynamic Disc Open. I think she finished third, tied third. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if she can uh, if she can repeat that um, or even go one or two better um, yeah i was gonna say honestly that's yeah they're both going to be hotly contested it's great to watch worlds every year there's so much going on so many storylines coming throughout the year bunch of europeans over this year which is great to see um mm -hmm. you know like evelina i know can throw on those big courses Haley king's got quite the arm for the fpo field so you know she can she can score on those longer holes as well you know so yeah Paige and kristen don't quite have that edge like they used to when in distance so yeah it'll be Definitely a great battle to watch. Uh, and the, yeah, so that's going to be available. Uh, that'll be on Wednesday morning. The uh, that, that'll that'll kick off. Um, and so Kansas, you know better than me how far Kansas is ahead of time. Probably what eight hours ahead, nine hours uh, ahead. No more than that. Um, it's currently. Let's see. They're going to be Detroit. So it's there. Well, because it, it's not ahead, it's technically like they're going to be well, like sixteen yeah. hours behind. Yeah, so eight hours ahead. In... Yeah, so it's yeah, it's like six a.m. there now. Okay, all right. So the FPO division will probably be teeing off in the middle of the night here. You'll be able to catch yep. probably the end of the FPO division if you wake up early enough, and then the MPO division will will, will probably um, tee off around breakfast time, um, whatever time that is. It's a bit of a vague time, but anyway, um, about breakfast time, and we'll go into sort of mid morning. Um, I suspect. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm just sitting here and I'm just like, oh yeah, and like you, you have Devin. Like Devin has breakfast at weird hours of morning. Yeah, everybody, so like, everybody what? has breakfast with us. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's us for this week. Um, so thank you for watching and wherever you're playing disc golf, play well, take it easy, get some birdies, and we'll see you next week. Cheers.